Today's April 17th, 2016. The title of today's message is Smoke Screen. Smoke Screen. Um, in addition to the pictures that you saw, I was texting back and forth with Pastor Eric. Uh, they're about they're eight hours ahead. I think our team in India is ten and a half hours. Is it right? Aren't they in like a half time zone? So I think I think we're talking ten and a half hours for our India team and ahead of us. Uh, in Romania, it's eight hours ahead. So last night, before I went to bed, it was like midnight, 12.30, 1 o'clock. I'm texting Pastor Eric in Romania. I'm sharing scriptures of some of the things that we'll cover today. Uh, when I get here this morning, around 6 o'clock, he's texting me and going, Hey, so you know that whole chain of scriptures that you gave? Yeah, I basically just stole all your scriptures, and we used it here. I was like, hey, man. Entirely different kind of way that they got there. Um, had an incredible service today. Uh, in Romania, there were, I believe that literally, if I understand it correctly, everyone, visitors, home folk, everyone in the church came down to the altar except for one person. So my, my heart as a pastor is like, amen, everybody, but one. Lord, would you touch the one? <laughs> would you reach out to the one? Would you not leave that person out? But um, so they're having a powerful time. Uh, so keep our, our missionary teams in prayer while you're praying for missions. Uh, the Brassos are going to be leaving for Peru for, uh, how long are you guys going to be gone, buddy? Six to the 22nd, so a little bit over two weeks there. So while you're thinking and praying for missions, uh, in case I haven't told you guys yet today, man, I love my church. I love the fact that while we're doing things here, while the prison team went out this morning, while there's ministry going on in our homes, uh, in, our, in our workplaces, that we've sent out people around the world, and this is what the body of Christ does. We had some incredible teachings in our discipleship helps class where we saw people set free, saved, spirit-filled. This is just on our classes, right? So I, I'm excited about what God's going to do today. So with, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. As you know, we, we really don't have very many rules at this church as far as uh, uh, speaking and, and getting up in front of you. But one of the main rules that we do have is that you have to have experienced what you're about to teach. God has to be, it has to be something that is actually alive in you. Uh, we are not the kind of people ever that dust off a sermon, that file them and look in a binder and file where they are and pull it out and kind of just rework it for that day. So I say that to you because um, as we read this scripture, you're gonna, uh, it, it kind of progressed even from Wednesday night. I got to share some things with you on Wednesday night about how to be a prize fighter, looking that we could fight the good fight. The Greek words there are agonize over the good agony, that there is a struggle that we have as believers that we must engage in and that we're going to be victorious, but we've got to make sure that we're fighting the good fight. We can't be wasting our time, like it says, like a boxer who's beating the air. We can't run aimlessly. We've got a purpose that God has called us to. So let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. Are you there? It says this, but he said to me, and then this turns into red letters in my Bible, so you know that the he here is Jesus said it to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. The Word of God is so powerful. If you just looked at that and just stopped, my grace is sufficient for you. We can have church. We could teach for the next, I could teach for the next several hours on my grace is sufficient for you. 
It says this, For my power is made perfect in weakness. Wait a minute. We've got His sufficient, His grace being sufficient for us and His power being made perfect in weakness. That'll preach right there. We're going to keep going and then we're going to come back to this passage. This is going to kind of be an anchor for us here. We're going to come back to this just a little bit today. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. Well, that's a strange statement. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about how weak I am. Huh. Why? So I can look cool and do the Christian kind of thing. No, so that Christ's power may rest on me. So do you want Christ's power to rest on you or not? I do. And I know that many of you in here do. So how do we do that? We actually get to boast in what we're not. We get to boast gladly. These are weird words for us, right? We're going to boast all the more gladly about our weakness. That is, these are unnatural things, perhaps even supernatural things that are required of us here so that His power will come and rest upon us. Verse 10 says this, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. So how are you doing in delighting in your weakness? I have to work at delighting in my weakness. Because when I have the weakness, I want to cover it up. I want to not let you guys know about it. I want to pretend like it's not there. I want to try to deceive myself and go, that's not a weakness. That's really, if you understood, you would really know that that's a, that's a noble thing. No, the truth is, is it's a weakness. It's something that I lack in myself. But I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to delight in my weakness, in insults. Hey man, I just got insulted. Glory. In hardships. In hardships. If it's hard, if you're going through a tough time right now, I encourage you to delight in it. To delight in it. To count it pure joy, perhaps. In hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. This is a very small thing, and and I just do it just to, to uh, to share my life. The pastors at this church, the elders, we just want to share our life with you. We're not trying to be a sage on a stage. We're just trying to live a life and answer a call that God has on us to share with you what we do. So yesterday, uh, we, were, we were coming up to the church for a worship practice. And we're like, oh, hey, man, this is exciting. It's just me and my beautiful wife. We're kind of hanging out. We're going we're like, this is a good day. We're going to go hang out. Well, we get down Highway 6, and the car just starts shaking. This is not actually the Green Hornet, by the way. So, you know, you, that would make sense if we were in the Green Hornet. We're actually in the good car, right? <laughs> we're in the good one, right? So we're there, and it's just like crazy. And I'm going, oh, I've got to get over. I'm, in the, I'm all the way in the left-hand lane. It's, something is freaking out. I look at my, my gauges. The gas thing isn't working. It's just down at the bottom. So I'm like, I hope that's not really empty because I don't know because it's not working. So it could be full, but I don't know. Everything else was okay, so I, I inch over. Nobody wanted to let me over, so, you know, you just kind of start forcing your way over. We get off, and, and we're like, car won't start. You know, I'm a grown man, so I'm trying not to call Baj, like, in the first two seconds that my car goes down. And Baj, Baj, can you help? No, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a grown man. I can do this without Baj. Not really, but I want to pretend. Instead of delighting in the weakness, I was like, oh, I got this. 
So we pull off and we're like, hey man, can't start the car, totally dead. Okay, the gauge says it's not hot. Well, let me just pop the hood and let's see. Things were boiling underneath there. We're like, oh, so I guess the gauge, all the gauges are messed up. So we get there and... Of course, I wasn't thinking. I was kind of trying to figure things out, and I pulled in the wrong way. Like, the gas pump was on the wrong side of the... So I was like, okay, hun, we push it around. We push it around. And we get, we get ready, and we're behind these, these nice guys. And they're there, and they, they're just like, we can't get the pump to work. Hey, man, of course you can. And I thought it was just operator error. And then the lady who operates the store, she comes out and she's on the phone. She's like, uh, yeah, the pumps aren't working. Yeah, by the way, none of the pumps are working right now. Amen. And then it starts raining. Literally, it does. I'm like, amen. Well, um... Call Baj, but I don't know what he can <laughs> So we keep going, and we're like, you know what? And, and by the way, I, I understand. These aren't real hardships, right? These are just funny things. But even in hardships, we should delight. We should go. I, I, think, I think I started, I, uh, I text Pastor Matt and be like, hey, you know how we committed to be there for worship practice? Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> you know? And I texted him. I was like, hey, yeah, the pumps aren't working either. And I just, I kind of, ha-ha, because I was like, this is funny at this point. Like, I'm not going to get all stressed out about it. If I have to push it wherever, then I'm going to push it wherever. And we're going to, amen, we're going to take care of this. I'm not going to lose my sanity, lose my Christianity over this. And if you get enough of those days in a row, if you get enough times when, when you're trying to pay for something and your credit card doesn't work or your debit card doesn't work because of their machine and the gas pumps don't work where you go and the car doesn't work where you go and you go, amen. Lord, I can delight in my weakness that I have. Because you sit there and go, I, <laughs> I really actually have no solution in of myself. I have to start looking for other folks. Hey, Steve, can, can you come pick us up? Because I got the car started, so I'm going to drop the car off over at Baja shop. <laughs> yep, that's where it's going to go. And can you get us home? Cause you start to have to look for other people, but it says, I delight in weaknesses. I delight in them, in persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Sometimes if we actually believe the word of God for what it said, I think that all of us would probably live differently. If we actually could look at the word and go, so I'm supposed to be yearning to be weak. I'm supposed to be celebrating why I'm weak so that I can be strong. Let's go back to the beginning of this passage in in verse 9. My grace is sufficient. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Can I encourage you really quick? I had a, a, a bit of a revelation. I hope I can explain it to you. If you mix those two things up, then you're in trouble. If you try to have grace be perfect, be the, all that there is, what do you get? You get a hyper-grace movement is what they call it today. They've taken a characteristic that is powerful in the Word. Grace is incredible. We should be so thankful for God's grace. But if you try to make it the all in all, the completeness, the perfection of everything, and especially when you've really misdefined it or poorly defined it or redefined it, then you get into a problem. You're thinking that grace is all there is. No. But likewise, if you get to be where God's power is only sufficient for you, 
How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing okay. I mean, are you walking in God's power? Oh, no. I'm at a church where, where God's doing some great things. And let me tell you about people in India. Let me tell you about people going to Peru and in Romania and, and the Africa trip. And let me tell you about all these great things. But yeah, but what about you? Are you allowing the power around you to be sufficient for you? Because the way that the Scripture says it here is that grace is sufficient. It is satisfactory in your life. That where God has assigned you is where you are satisfied to be. It is enough. What God is doing in my life is enough. What He's telling me today is enough. Me pastoring this church is enough. I don't need it to be twice the size of this before I feel like it's enough. I don't need to drive a different car. If When they work or whether they don't work, I don't need another car to be to have God be enough to me. If He tells me to walk, then I'll walk. It's easy to say, right? It's harder to live. Because I want His power to be perfected in my weakness so that His power can rest on me. Amen? Let's turn to a few scriptures about His grace being sufficient. Let's turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 14. It says this, the word, of, the word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father full of what? Grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Not either or, not some balance of the both, but the fullness of grace and the fullness of truth. Don't try to put it on a balance. Don't try to put it on a scale and get them 50-50. It's kind of the lie that they tell you about a marriage, isn't it? Your marriage is 50-50. If you're running a 50-50 marriage, you're in trouble. It better be 100-100. You better both be fully committed to the Lord and to each other, or this thing is going to be very, very difficult on you. Full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. So what are you saying here? From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made Him known. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Starting in verse... 3. Verses 1 and 2 are very familiar to us. But let's take a look at what it says after not being conformed to the pattern but being transformed. Verse 3 says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Uh, I have to be honest with you. I have never attached God's grace to being able to not think too highly of myself. It says it right there. This is exactly what Scripture says, and it hit me this morning like a ton of bricks going, for by the grace of God given to me, I can say to you, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. 
Don't try to celebrate your strengths because God doesn't need your strengths. He's actually interested in you understanding your weaknesses so His strength can be made in you. He doesn't need your strengths. He doesn't. If you were, if you were a, a gifted athlete, amen, praise God, God doesn't need your athleticism. If you were a great student in school, intelligent, far beyond your peers, amen, God doesn't need your intelligence. He needs you to understand that that's not at all what He needs from you. If you've been gifted with a wonderful family, amen, that's not what God needs is your lineage. Whatever it is that we have based ourselves for on in the world is not what He needs at all. So for by the grace given me, I say to everyone, if you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. You know what sober means? Neither too high nor too low of yourself. I think that those problems are equally as destructive in your life. If you're the one that thinks that you're all that and you can do it in your strength, God will have to show you otherwise. If you're the one that thinks that you're nothing and you're just poor, lowly me, and God really doesn't want to use me, but He wants to use everybody else, in either direction, you're messed up. You're supposed to have a sober judgment. You know what I can do? You know what I can't do? That's, that's sober judgment. This is what God has called me to do. This is what... Uh, these are the parameters of what I can easily do within my own self. I know my, where my boundaries are. If God tells me to do something outside of that, I will do it because His obedience demands it of me. But I will realize very quickly, this is outside of my scope. And Lord, I hear you saying it, so you must, gonna, you must, get, you must be getting ready to empower me to do something that's not my normal. At this church, we teach that all of the gifts are available to all of the believers. All of the gifts, everybody say all, are available to all of the believers. Everybody say all. all. Although we understand you may typically work in one, or you may work in a certain areas more than others. We have a sober judgment about this. If someone is, is gifted in prophecy, we don't presume that's the only gift they have, but we do, we can recognize that this person typically flows in this right. Just because you can predict the weather doesn't make you a weatherman. Just because you can prophesy doesn't make you a prophet. But we actually want everybody to prophesy. But, but we want everybody. We want everybody to be flowing in gifts. We want you to be able to lay hands on each other and miracles happen. That's what we want. It doesn't take away from the pulpit. It doesn't take away from the authority of the church if you do it. As a matter of fact, I've been so encouraged. Last few classes that we've had for Discipleship Helps, today's service, you know what you see in action? you see a body operating the way a body should. There was no one that came forth with a, with a scripture or prayer or word of encouragement today that none of that was scripted prior. Hey, Andrew, I really need you to read this. Did it sound like Andrew was scripted at all? Sound like the dude was on fire. Amen. Eve sharing... Everyone who shared, it was exactly what God was laying on a heart. That, that brings me such joy because it means the body is ministering to the body. That's what we're supposed to do as pastors is equip the body to do the work of the service. That's what Ephesians 4 tells us, right? Yeah. 
but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. (laughs) Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Shut it down. You belong to me. I belong to you. Right? Uh-huh. See ya. Sorry. Band director roots kind of come out sometimes. First Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 10. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he or she builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. What we're trying to do is make sure that you're building with the right kind of materials. Because at some point, your work will be shown for what it is. It will be revealed whether you were using something that was precious and long-lasting and can handle the fire, or if it's going to get consumed when God places judgment and tests upon it. So what we want to have you do is build correctly from the start. We want to have you start off in the right area. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In verse 8. Amen. And God is able to make all grace, everybody say all grace, abound to you. Don't you like that word, abound? He's not going to just have all grace trickle upon you. He's going to have it abound to you. So that in all things, everybody say all things. At all times, everybody say all times. Having all that you need. Everybody say, all that you need. Is anybody confused right now? You shouldn't be. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Some people try to make this like about prosperity. And this is silly. He's able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you... What's the next word? Having all that you need. What, what is it that you need? I need probably a lot less than I want. The, the Scripture's not using and saying, man, oh, let's have everything you could ever want because that will glorify God. No, actually, what the problem with that is is that most of us don't have the character to handle it. Lord, just let me win the lottery. I mean, I know I don't want to play the lottery, but if I just win it once, just come on. If you can't handle your finances now, what makes you think having more of your finances is going to help you? If you squander what you have now, guess what happens? If you get more, you know what happens? You squander that too. Even in the world, they they actually acknowledge that people who win the lottery, very few of them have wealth that they even hand down to the next generation. Most of them are broke within less than 10 years. Whatever the amount that you win, because we haven't proven faithful at the little things, so why would, why would God, it would actually be a curse upon us. Proverbs tells us that, that an inheritance received all at once 
is not a blessing. Wait, what? Oh, because remember in 2 Corinthians 12, we're supposed to say we're going to delight in the persecutions and the hardships. We're going to delight in those things because it's forming in us. It's allowing space for God to be able to fill us with His power. Either you're going to fill yourself with you or you're going to empty yourself and let God fill you with Him. That's the noble pursuit here. Lord, uh, what, what does John say? Less of me. I need a decrease and he needs to increase. Less of me and more of you. Lord, I've got to get rid of me. I don't need more of me. I like me a lot. I need to get rid of me so that you can come in and fill me. That is our constant pursuit in this walk. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, where's the real abounding here? You will abound in every good thing. Nope. And every good work. Your work for the Lord, when you are allowing all of His grace to inhabit you, then you know what you can do? You can accomplish what He's called you to do. That's what this is about. As it is written, He has scattered abroad His gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. God will take care of that. We're going to seek first. He will supply seed to the sower and bread for food. will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge will enlarge your grain houses. He said it will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. These are godly principles that we're instilling. Let's not let normal, what we hear over and over again, let us deter, deter us from what the actual Word of God says. Um, I was going to a meeting, I think on Friday, and um, I saw a, um, a guy on the street corner begging for food. I try to be very spirit-led. I do not always give someone money just because they're at the corner. Neither do I always not give them money because I'm like, well, they're a scamp. I try to actually say, Lord, I want to have a soft heart because you care about the little things. You care about people who can never pay me back and how I treat them. You care about how I treat animals, for goodness sake. What do you want me to do right here? The guy had a sign which, by the way, some of these guys actually just pass out signs, right? They, it's the same couple of signs. They'll get picked up, go to food pantries, go sleep at a wherever, and then they get dropped off at these different corners to kind of work the day in, in some of them. This guy had a sign, and it said, Christian and starving. I have to tell you that I got so mad. Christian and starving. Immediately, very loudly in my heart and in my mind, I heard Psalm, I think it's Psalm 37, 25. I was young and now I'm old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. And I went, oh, you're lucky I'm not stopped at this. You're lucky I'm driving by because you and me would have words. I might, I was thinking about swinging around and coming and stopping, making it be at the red light. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. So this was the only situation that was. If he was a Christian, then he was lying and he wasn't starving. Or <laughs> he wasn't a Christian. And either way, we, I, had, I had problems with this. You're trying to use some marketing to play on people's tender heartedness. Either way, again, I'm not making a blanket statement. I'm not asking you to be bad at the next homeless person you see on the street. What I'm saying was in that moment, 
I, the word, it's either the word of God or what I'm seeing in front of me. Either I'm going to believe his sign written in crayon or I'm going to believe this that was purchased with Christ's blood. There's no other way around it. He will supply seed for the sower and bread for food and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Let's, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. It says this. Probably 14 would be better to start. Hebrews 4, 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The grace of God is sufficient for us. Let's turn to Hebrews. Since we're there, let's turn to Hebrews 11. So His grace is sufficient and His power is being made perfect. 11 and verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. By the way, if you cannot, looking at that string of names, know the stories that the writer is alluding to, if you don't know the stories, we're a church who, who understands that each of us are responsible to get into the Word. Would you go just figure out what those are? Because it's pretty incredible. The list that he gives here. Gideon. Most of us should know about Gideon. Barak. Maybe some of us aren't as familiar. Samson. Now, which one was Jephthah? David, Samuel, if you don't know them all down cold, go look it up. Amen? And the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms. Wow. Administered justice. You know what I realized this morning? It takes just as much of God's power for you to conquer a kingdom as it does for you to rightly administer justice. Wow. I was reading to Pastor Matt last week. We were studying maybe before Pastor Eric left, and I got stuck in Deuteronomy 22, and it was talking about seemingly the most minuscule things, the, the part that totally caught my attention. I think it's Deuteronomy 22, I don't know, maybe 4 or 6 or something like that. It talks about if you find a bird in a nest with either eggs or young, whether it's on the ground, the, the nest is on the ground or in a tree, don't take the mother you can take the babies, you can take the eggs, but don't take the mother. So that it may go well with you and you may live a long life. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. It's a bird. It's a little bitty birdie. What is he saying? God is caring. He cares about the line. He cares that this family, this little bird family, will be able to carry on. Don't take the mother. I don't, don't mess this situation up for this little bird family. Because if, if you do, then God himself says, I'm, I'm, there's gonna be, you're going to have to pay for that. I want you to live a long life. So in other words, if you're paying attention to the little things, you're not going to have little foxes that spoil the vine like out of Song of Songs, right? You're gonna, God is going to see your heart and say, even the little things, Lord, I want to please you, even the small things. 
even the small things, Lord. This is something that's weak and fragile, and I am much stronger. God cares about how you deal with it. God cares about how you deal with the widows, doesn't he? God cares about how you deal with the orphans. You know why? Because they're weak and they can't pay you back. Men, God cares about how we treat those that are weaker than us. He cares about how we treat our wives. He cares about how we treat our kids. Wives, he cares. God actually cares. And the list of this incredible hall of fame of faith. They conquered kingdoms. Yay! And they administered justice. That's a whole nother sermon. God cares about how you administer justice. God cares that you are administering justice. God cares that you stand for those who are getting mistreated. God cares for those that you are standing with those who cannot stand for themselves. It actually matters to Him. It actually matters. You can sin by not engaging in something. Hmm. Sorry, I'm trying not to get to that. The whole other sermon is about to come out, but I'll just wait on that. He gained, they gained what was promised. They shut the mouths of lions. How do you do that? I don't know, but I'm glad you do, right? There are men in the Bible who, with their bare hands, killed lions. Samson, one of David's three fighting men, I can't remember which one it is right now, went down on a snowy pit, went down in a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. There are people who, with their bare hands, did this. Who does these things? Besides Daniel letting the Lord shut the mouth of the lions. They quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword. Oh my goodness, my favorite phrase maybe in the whole Bible right now. Whose weakness was turned to strength. Did you hear the list of these people? Did you hear what they just accomplished in shortened, verse, in shortened form? The, he just listed the names, expects you to know the stories. He kind of comes back and gives you some of these same people and what they did. And he's like, yeah, by the way, their weakness was turned to strength. I don't hear much weakness in the, le- in the list. I hear some pretty incredible things. Oh, maybe that's how they did it. Maybe that's how they were empowered to do this because they celebrated their weakness and said, Lord, you're telling us to do this and we will walk out in obedience and accomplish what you've called for us to do with power. Their weakness was turned to strength. How about your weakness? What areas in your life do you need the Lord to turn to strength? Is it not common in the kingdom to have someone who had a terrible father become a great father to other people? who had a broken home to be the model home at some point after God has worked on him, To be the one who is so insecure and so full of fear that they become the bold, righteous ones who speak with great authority? Is that not a common thing? Why do you think it's so different with you? Why do we keep making our, ourselves the exception to every rule that the Bible has to say? Well, I know the Bible says I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread, but if I stand up to this guy, I could lose my job and then my family won't eat and they will be destitute. Or he could turn your weakness to strength. Or he could care about how you administer justice and prove himself supernaturally powerful in your midst. Many people want miracles in their life. They just don't want to be in the position where a miracle is needed. You realize what it takes for a miracle to happen in your life? You got to be right by the Red Sea. You got to be on death's doorstep. You got to be where beyond, like we left a long time ago, how I could get out of this problem. Like we drove past that way long time ago. And now there's literally nothing in heaven and earth that can do this. Only you, God. 
will you come in and do a miracle? Like when Sennacherib was attacking the Israelites, God sent an angel. Ah, one, uno. 185,000 of the enemy routed in one night. Oh yeah, we'll go ahead and start trusting in you more, Lord, so that our weakness can be turned to strength. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter two, verse one. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. By the way, this is Paul. <laughs> brothers, I didn't come to you with eloquence or superior wisdom. Really? Okay as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I resolved. I determined. I purposed it within my being that I wouldn't try to know how important you are or how fancy you are or how gifted you are. All I wanted to know was Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear. Do you think that Paul is just using hyperbole here? Do you think he's just exaggerating for the sake of getting his point across? Or do you think maybe he's actually being truthful and saying, I came to you in weakness and in fear with much trembling? We don't think about Paul that way, but apparently that's the case. Apparently you can't judge this book by its cover. You can't determine by the outcome of someone's life if they were fear, which fears they had to overcome to get where they're going. When you see boldness in someone, don't presume it's because there is a lack of fear. Just presume that there is power because they've delighted in their weakness and God is making His power perfected in their weakness and that's what you're seeing. If you don't understand that, then again, you give yourself an exemption to the law of His Word. Well, well, they're just bold. I mean, they're just gifted. Is God a respecter of persons or not? Does he treat one more favorably than another? What causes this distinction? One that's obedient, you see God's hand upon them. One that is not fully obedient, you don't see God's hand upon them in the same way. Well, then it's about the obedience, is it not? So are you stopping the Lord from moving in your life because there are areas where you're not completely obedient? You set up a default. You set up something that just goes on and you don't think about it and you... You say to yourself, oh, this is a good idea. Well, why? Well, because, I mean, it's a good idea. Okay, well, let's point towards the Scripture and show me why it's a good idea. Because if you have a good idea, it will be found in Scripture. If it's an actual good idea. Well, well Pastor Wade, how does that... I mean, I mean, it doesn't relate when I'm buying a car, does it? Uh, it probably does because of your fear factor, what you're insecure about. Maybe you're seeking the approval of man. I can assure you that these things factor in. I don't care whether you buy the car or not. I don't care which car you buy. I care more about your heart. As your ne Do you need to buy the car? Do you have to have this car? Well, no, no, of course not. As God is your witness, do you have to have it so that you feel more successful? But, but I'm going on a business trip and I, I have to mingle with these people. Okay, so you're captive to the approval of man. 
<laughs> no, that's not, no, that's not what I meant. Oh, maybe it is, though. We've got to find and we've got to let Christ's message be in us. I came in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My, <clears throat> my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Hey, man, aren't you tired of resting on men's wisdom? What the psychologist says, how a psychologist says you should raise your kids? How a doctor says you should find health for your body? How some expert... Don't even get me started on today's experts. Every TV show, every newscast, every reality show that has nothing to do with reality and is completely scripted, every reality show has their experts. Tell me what you've done. Well, uh, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm an expert on this. Are you really? Have you ever done it? Well, no, I've never done it, but I'm really good at knowing about it. <laughs> oh. People talking about movie stars. I could care less, but they talk about them like they're their friends. And you know that person's ever even met that movie star. Well, Tom likes to do this. Well, does he now? Did you ask him? Tom, I don't know why I picked Tom. Just picked Tom. Clearly not of the Lord. Okay. We don't want our faith to rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 9. says this. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession. You know what they're referring, referencing here? The Roman gladiators, right? End of a procession. Big parade. You know who's at the end of the procession? The people in chains about to get thrown to the lions. That's at the end of the procession. The apostles are saying, well... For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like men condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe. Whoa. To the powers and the principalities, to the authorities in the spiritual realms, to angels as well as to men. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. Dripping with, with some intensity in his words here. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored, and we are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags, and we are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we blessed. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. How you doing? How you doing, folks? How you doing with this list? How do you do? How do you do in your own home? Oh, come on now, Pastor. I'm starting to step on some toes now. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. <laughs> I am not writing this to you to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Verse 16 says this, Therefore I urge you to imitate me. His grace is sufficient. His power has got to be made perfect in our weakness. I want to I want to change gears just a little bit here so we can begin to close. Philippians chapter 2. I hope this is making sense to you. 
This is something that I've been living this week. So the problem is not anything else. It is, it is a real life. This is what my family is going through. Lord, Your grace, we need it to be sufficient. We need Your power to be perfected in us. There, are, there is more to do than we can accomplish in and of ourselves. God, we can't get to it. It's not because we've been poor stewards of our calendar. It's because there's too much for us to do without Your strength. We've got to have Your wisdom. Lord, we're going to delight in the hardships. We're going to delight in these things because we need to see Your power at work and on display in our lives. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 14. Apparently this is a theme because I didn't intend for this, but I think someone else needs to hear it, whether it's getting slandered and we're answering kindly or doing everything without complaining or arguing. I did not intend for that to be the common thread between those. Apparently they are. Are you preaching to me? I hope so. I'm preaching to me, so... So that you may become blameless and pure. Wait, let's, let, me, let me put both of those together now. Back to 14. Do everything. Everybody say everything. everything. Without complaining or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. You know how you shine like stars? You keep your trap shut. You glory in the things. It's not just that you keep your mouth shut because I can teach a small child to keep their mouth shut. I can apply enough discipline and enough negative reinforcement that a child will be quiet around me. But me applying force on the outside doesn't keep their heart from complaining. You think he's only worried about what comes out of your mouth? Well, what comes out of your mouth is clearly a picture of what's in your heart and it could be in your heart and not come out of your mouth. You think he's happy if that's the case? Well, amen, you were silent. Good job. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you become blameless and pure. When you learn how to not complain and not argue about where God has put you, about what's going on, about you can revel in your weakness, not your strength, then perhaps it starts making you just like him. You become blameless. You become pure, unaltered, unhindered full of integrity. What you say is what you are. It's homogenous. There's one substance within you. It is no longer you and the Lord. It just becomes the Lord that is operating through you. He's revised you. He's made you a new creature. You can't pull your DNA out of His DNA because it's just His DNA down in you, at work in you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 keeps coming up in, our, in the last few services that we've had. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We are new creatures. We have new DNA. It, whatever I was before is not what I am now. It might not have gotten to every cell yet, but it's getting there. You may see something else that's in there and it'll pop up every once in a while, but I'm going to put that down. I'm going to rejoice in my weaknesses. I'm going to delight in it so that Christ's power may be seen in me and put to death every work of the flesh that's still in me. Is this Scripture or not? So that you can become, you can shine like stars in the universe. Do you want to be a bright mark for the Lord? Do you want to be a stellar example for the Lord? This is how you do it. In Deuteronomy 8, don't turn there, it just talks about how that when we are walking with the Lord, we cannot forget Him. Turn to Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. 
I love this verse. Peyton reminded me of this verse this morning. Chapter 30, verse 7 through 9. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Listen to this. This will help you to not complain and not argue. This right here. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Say what? Give me only my daily bread. When we're praying about having our daily bread, you know what the prayer is there? It's referencing back to things like this. It's referencing back to the manna that would fall and you couldn't get today what you needed tomorrow. Today was for today. Tomorrow for tomorrow. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Well, why? But give me only my daily bread. The next verse. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you. I didn't, I didn't look it up. I'm just thinking about this verse. I think it's in Proverbs. It says something to the effect of a, a crucible for gold and a furnace, a furnace for gold and a crucible for silver, but a man is tested by the praise he receives. You're either tested by the adversity or the truth is that sometimes we are more tested by the praise we receive. We're more tested in the times of comfort and ease than we are when it's difficult. I actually do much better when things are... When I have a full workload, I do better. When I, when I have a busyness that's there, I actually stay much more organized. When I don't have much to do, <laughs> I'll get to that one thing that I have. Oh, I hadn't done it. It's three days later. If I have 48 things in a day, I'll get them all done. If I have two things in a day, I'm like, well, I'll just get to it later. I think YouTube is calling me. <laughs> Another fail video for me. <laughs> Scrolling on Facebook. Are we all living in the same space or not? Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you. Are you seeking after such a place of comfort in your life? You think that that's what you got to get to is the comfort. You think that you got to remove all the obstacles. You think you got to have enough, <laughs> I always say it this way, you got to have enough zeros in the right place in your bank account. I got plenty of zeros in my bank account. They're just all before the decimal. <laughs> Not after the decimal, right? You think that enough money would, would make you happier with God? It wouldn't. You think it would make you, it'd make it easier so you would seek Him more, you'd have more time to seek the Lord? Wrong. You'd have more time to misuse just like you're misusing time now. Just like we're misusing time now. More of something is not better. This says, hey, Lord, I, if I have too much, I might disown you. I, I might get focused on the wrong things. I might quit actually seeking after your power because I might think that I have strength in my own, and I don't. Or I may become poor and steal, and so dishonor the name of the Lord. Wow. What a clear, clear picture of what we're supposed to be going after. Let's turn to Leviticus 16, and I'm gonna, and I'm going to start to wrap it up right here. By the way, um, and some of this may end up in another sermon at some point, I think I had 52 scriptures that I was going to give you today. I, I, I think I'm on number 10 or 11, so I'm not going to do all 52. I'm skipping. We're going to, we're going to skip around a lot here. And, uh, but Leviticus 16, I think by skipping around, I mean we're going to home in on what the Lord wants us to finish up with. 
Many of you will end up being pastors or you'll be ministers of your own right one day. I just want to tell you as an aside, there's nothing more comforting than when you've been living a message to get to deliver it to your family. There's nothing. I don't feel obligated to finish every one of my gazillion scriptures. My only prayer is, Lord, would you have me say what our people need to hear? That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Leviticus chapter 16. Let's start in verse 11. Aaron shall bring the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. This is the day of atonement. This is how the day of atonement is going to start for Aaron. Bring the bull for his own sin offering and for, uh, to make atonement for himself and his household, and he is to slaughter the bull for his own sin offering. As a minister, as a pastor, as a member of this church, we have to start with ourselves. Judgment begins where? It begins in the house of God. We start with making sure that our heart is staying, before, staying pure before the Lord. When I'm saying this to you, I am held doubly responsible for what I preach to you. If I preach to you not to argue and complain and not argue and complain, you know what happens to me? I get double judgment. <laughs> because I heard it and I said it. I get both the hearing and the saying that I'm going to be accountable for. You heard it and you heard it enough where you communicated it to other people. Aaron has to have the bull for his own sin offering, for himself and his family first. Verse 12, He is to take a censer full of burning coals from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of finely ground fragrant incense. You know how you make perfume? I guess now they have so many chemicals that they can do and they just kind of generate things. But, but at least for the thousands of years that they've been making perfume, it starts with some type of crushing, some type of cutting, some type of burning, some type of boiling, something that causes whatever that, whether it was a flower or a seed, there's got to be a crushing that goes on in the mortar and the pestle, and you crush it, and what happens when you crush it? The fragrance is released. Do you know why you're in the struggles that you're in? Now, if it's a struggle with sin, then you have to be like Aaron and you have to take care of that. I'm not even talking about a struggle that comes because you've been disobedient. If you, if you have that kind of struggle on, then this is a different conversation. We're not going to glory in that weakness. We have to deal with the sin that's in our life and stand before Him purely and righteously. Yes? I'm talking about you are doing that and you still feel the weight you still feel the crushing of what's going on. When Christy and I moved to Austin, it was the worst financial period of our life. Through no error of our own, I took a job that God told me to take, I took a $20,000 pay cut, and I had a house that wouldn't sell in Louisiana, so my expenses doubled and my salary dropped by twenty grand. Amen. Yeah. It was crushing. It was crushing. Like, uh, well, uh, we can't jettison the electricity. Got rid of cable. We got rid of this. We got rid of that. We did that. We're like, uh, let's drop insurance on the kids and see if we can get on to chip. 
got on a Medicaid with our kids. Man, this is awesome. I can't even provide insurance for my kids. Man, amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Lord, this is crushing me. All, all my wife wants me is to like take her out to Chick-fil-A like once a month. And I can't even do that. Baby, we have we have negative one thousand dollars in this moment, you know. And it was the best thing in the world for us. It was the best thing because you know what it caused? It caused a fragrance to rise. It caused something to rise up from within us that we could not have gotten out any other way. And it started going, ah, Lord. I was talking to Pastor Eric and Pastor Matt the other day, and maybe it was last Monday night, we walked into Pastor Eric's uh, study, and we were getting ready for foundations. Hey, man, how you, how you feeling, Pastor Wade? Hey, man, I'm feeling like a, a drink offering. And Pastor Eric, with his wittiness, was like, oh, amen. Empty and upside down. <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. I feel empty and upside down. Oh, that, oh, I get it. You guys realize what a drink offering was for, right? You would take wine, and you would come and you would pour it on the burning part of the sacrifice. The fire from the altar, you would pour it on. And you know what happens? It burns up the alcohol. And you know what's left? A fragrance, a little bit of incense that goes up before. And actually, when you do a drink offering, it doesn't act, it's not like it's so overpowering that everyone gets to smell it, that everyone gets to enjoy it. When you're pouring your life like a drink offering, you know what happens? Only the very people closest to you can even tell. Are you pouring your life out like a drink offering? Because Jesus did. Here we see that you take, you take a censer full of burning coals from the altar. What happens? If you don't do the sacrifice first, you can't get to the incense. The coal from the altar, from the sacrifice. Are, are you with me here? You've got to take the coal from your sacrifice, from you getting your heart right with God, and then you can add the incense to it, and that fire that's there produces something special to God. Let's keep reading here, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not making this up. Verse 12, He is to take a censer full of burning coals from the altar before the Lord, and two handfuls. <laughs> Why two handfuls? Because I ain't got no more hands. This is all I can bring to you. A finely ground, fragrant incense. Finely ground. Hey Amen. You been crushed? Good. You're on the way to being unacceptable offering unto the Lord. He is to put the incense on the fire before the Lord. And the smoke of the incense, listen to this, will conceal the atonement cover for the testimony so that he will not die. Okay, picture. They've just sacrificed a bull. This takes hours, right? We're thinking about it like a... No, you had to get the bull and then kill the bull and then drain the blood out and then do a long process of it and then put things on an altar and start a fire and have the fire burn through this and where it gets down to the coals and the ashes and you take that. This is a, hours, hours and hours. It costs more. It always takes us longer than we think. You ever cook something you're like, man, is this thing ever going to be ready? Thanksgiving meal, right? Like, oh my gosh, is this thing ever going to be ready? We just start putting it on the night before and go to sleep now. 
<laughs> turn on real low, right? And it's still not done. You're like, oh my gosh. Is this thing ever going to be done? I, I mean, I think I'm ready to offer my sacrifice in my life now, aren't I? You let the sacrifice be done, the sin atonement, the burnt offering unto the Lord, and you take that fire, and then you put the incense on it, two handfuls. This is all I can carry. I give all of my life. I'm pouring my life out like a drink offering. And then what happens? The, scent, the incense starts rising up before the Lord, like a cloud. Perhaps it's like a glory cloud that started from your life. And it fills where God is. And it, you know what it does? It covers. If you try to hide your weaknesses and your sin from people, you know what happens? You actually have nothing that can consume and be burned before the Lord to cover you so that you can go in His presence. You either are going to hide or you're going to let these weaknesses go up as incense before Him and it actually covers you. This is a beautiful picture. He went in before the Lord and the smoke of the incense will conceal, it will cover the atonement cover about the testimony, above the testimony, so that He will not die. It's the very thing. Your very weakness is the very thing that God wants to turn into incense before Him. Revelation 5 talks about that the incense goes up before the Lord and what does an angel do? He takes a censer of incense, which are the prayers of the saint. We lay our lives down and then we obey exactly what he says, even if it costs us being crushed. Because I can promise you this, it will. If you haven't been crushed yet, then you're probably not walking in obedience. I'm not saying that every day will feel like an unbearable load, but there will be days that do feel that. that. There will be days when you're like, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. Lord, I don't know if I can do this in and of myself. So you know what? The Word tells me I'm to count it pure joy. Your Word tells me that I'm supposed to delight in what you're doing in me. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to wrap it up. Two more scripture. Hebrews chapter 10. Start in verse 5. <clears throat> Hebrews 10, 5. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, He said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. By the way, He's quoting from Psalm chapter 40, verses 6 through 8 here. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for Me. With burnt offerings and sin offering, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. Isn't it interesting? He's echoing David in the Psalms. Sacrifice and offering you have not desired. Uh, that's kind of funny because you told us to make sacrifices and offerings. You told us to do this. Verse 8. First he said, sacrifices and, sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them. I love Hebrews. In, in parentheses there. Although the law, law required them to be done. 
wait a minute, you mean I can do things but it not be the way that God wanted? God does not need your technical accuracy. Well, technically you said this, Lord, so I did this. It's almost like we have people whose lips praise me, but their hearts are far from me. It's almost like you can be complaining on the inside without complaining on the outside. You know, the joke about the kid, no, you're going to sit down and do what I say. I might be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Huh. Verse 9, then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. The incense that we can offer the Lord is our absolute 100% no holding back obedience. Do you realize that the only, what, what else can you offer to the Lord? Does, does he need your money? Does, does he need uh, your intelligence? Does God, the God of all creation who actually created you, does he need anything from us? And yet what he will accept from us are our sacrifices and our offerings. Our offerings of incense, our obedience to him, regardless of the cost, regardless of, well, I don't really, if the Lord says it to you, then you do it. And it will be like an incense that comes up before him. It will cover you. He said to, uh, then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish the second. As a church, we understand he did not throw away the old covenant. He came and completed the old covenant. He set it aside to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I'm going to turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 as we finish. Second Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest upon me. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delighted in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I titled today's message, Smokescreen. You can either have a smokescreen where you pretend like you don't have the weaknesses, or you can allow those weaknesses to become an incense and act <laughs> as a smokescreen in His presence, as a cloud of glory in the very place that God dwells. Would you stand with me today?